So first, mess up by me, I forgot my glasses. So this morning was an interesting drive. So I can't actually see your faces too well. So apologies for that. So I think it's really important for me to make something clear from the start. I wouldn't be here if I didn't sort of believe in what John was trying to do. I'm not, I'm not part of the, the Forces Transition Group. I'm not here to sort of sell anything and get paid by John. I am here because I want to be here. So everything I sort of say is very impartial. And I think that's really important just to mention, like I said, if I didn't believe in what he was doing or, and you know what the, what the Forces Transition Group was all about, I wouldn't be here. So I think that's massively important. So who am I? My name's Jack. Usual Forces story, born in North Wales, rubbish at school. Um, joined, the, joined the Navy, actually did my phase two training here. So today is a bit of uh, nostalgia for me that the old abandoned building where all the simulators used to be. And there used to be a, a burger van called Dots. Um, probably, obviously not here anymore. Left in 2015. I went through a, a company called FDM, which I still get a few questions about. Some of you may have heard of them. So happy to answer any questions I can. Joined Lloyds Bank as a, a junior project management, if you like. Realized I wasn't very good at project management found Scrum, then Agile, wrote a little book or a, you know, a guide based on my experience about leaving the armed forces, started the podcast, which I'll tell you about shortly, but I've had John, I've had Ian, I've had people essentially who, I'm not an expert in resettlement, I interview people who are going through it or who have been through it so they can share their own journey and now I run Everyday Agile, which is a, a, an agile consultancy going into companies and helping them um, build better products, build things faster with software development teams. But there's a, there's a whole other brief about that. But, so I'm, the, the screen is quite big. Hopefully you can, you can still see that. So the resettlement curve is based on the Kubler-Ross change curve. And it's something I sort of came up with because I think you, I think service leaders can relate to it quite nicely. So for me, I was in the, the gray area, if you like. I, I served just shy of seven years. So you've got the people, these are all the individuals who have done, you know, 22 years plus. They've done all that. They're growing up and maturing the forces. Um, you know, they've got their pension squared away. And then you've got the other side of the scale where people do, you know, four years, their minimum. They've done some of their mature in the forces, but, you know, if you're leaving at 22, you know, you've still got your whole life and career ahead of you. And then the gray area where people have done, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years, where you've spent some of your teenage years, most of your 20 in the forces, that's the, the sort of area that can be quite tricky for some service leavers. So for me, I joined, uh, sorry, I decided to leave and I was like, right, the clock ticket 12 months ago. Because I was a gunner in the Navy, I thought, I'm going to go into maritime security, earn £300 a day, piece of piss. That wasn't the reality, I can tell you that right now. So, you start moving down this sort of model here, and then you think, now what? And then you think, 
if you have a, a loose plan in place, and sometimes, often, that doesn't come to fruition. You know, I, I knew I, I had 12 months, I, I was at sea for most of that. One of the reasons I actually left the Navy is because I was due to join a shore base. Now, I didn't really want to do that because I liked being at sea, that was sort of the point of being in the Navy. So I thought, if I can't be at sea, I don't want to be sort of on a parade ground. You know, the teachers phase one times a much. Personally, that wasn't mine. That wasn't very motivating for me. I liked being at sea, so that's one of the reasons why I left, because that was going to be potentially taken away. And then you start to think, what the bleak bleak have I done? I'm still at sea, I've got poor internet connection, the ELC um, sort of hoops that you have to jump through. You can start getting quite a negative feeling towards things and you have to sort of fight through that. Um, and then I sort of got to the point where I thought, I don't I actually don't know what I'm doing now. And that's where I went to the, the career transition um, roadshows, uh, careers fair, sorry. That's where FDM came into it. You know, they, they recognised that there's project management attributes that service leaders have and they offered me that, that sort of two-year comfort blanket to get my foot in the door. However, back to John's one before, where he said you have to keep your family in the loop. What happened to me was the training for FDM is in Manchester. And if you think this building is falling apart, the accommodation that I was in was, you know, horrendous. And I started to, to sort of block people out. I was learning all this new language about, you know, advanced Excel, SQL, software development, project management, and it was all, you know, a dark art. It's like going to Hogwarts for the first time and not knowing how to be a wizard, essentially. So I started pushing people away. I started spending a lot of time on my own, not making the best decisions, you know, a bottle of rosé a night or a bottle of wine a night while trying to learn some of this stuff is probably not a good combination. And then people started seeing that, that change in me, and I ended up being in this sort of dark pit of despair. And it, it was, it, you know, it was tough, but once you start getting some traction, once you get into a place, into the corporate world, it does take some adjusting. You have that imposter syndrome of, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, I shouldn't be here. I kept, because I, I was, just 25 when I left, I kept I, people kept calling me a graduate. That pissed me off because I was like, you, you know, you don't know what I've done, man, and all that sort of stuff. But essentially, people don't care in the corporate world if you've been in the forces or not. I was quite arrogant, and I suppose the lesson there was just because you've been in the forces doesn't mean people in civilian, in, you know, in the corporate world haven't worked really hard to get where they are and they don't really care or ask about your time in the forces. Sometimes it comes up, more often than not, you know, why would they ask? They've you know, been working hard on, on their own career. Uh, so yeah, you start going out of this sort of dark bit of despair, you realize you have to open up to people, you have to keep people in the loop, especially friends and family because they're going through it as well. You have to keep that, that perspective. You have to 
keep that confidence that you know the forces have instilled in you that experience the support and the humor are all you know attributes again you through this um this curve and then you can start to reflect what have i learned so far what could i have done better am i still um, on the the right track Do, is this something i still want to achieve then you can start thinking about what am i good at what actually makes me happy and i think you know there is a time where you have to niche and you have to have that that tunnel vision but if you leave the forces at 40 you know at the moment you've still got another 25 years left you can have three or four careers in that time you don't have to obviously at first you have to have a path but don't feel like that's the only path you have to go down you can have you know i'm a big i think people in any sort of walk of life should have multiple income streams so you can be bulletproof for when you know the last six months happens for when if you get made redundant from one job you've still you can still pivot to something else you've, you've still got other you know strings to your bow and once you start lifting yourself out of this sort of dark pit of despair of I miss being in the mess. I miss, you know, this is for me. I, I miss people telling me I stink box piss because I've got ginger hair. You know, you, you, you can't go in the corporate world and go, good morning, you see, Bob. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, it doesn't happen. You, you would probably be in front of HR quite quickly. But these are all the things we, you know, we, we come to know and love. Um, and it's not until you, and it, back to, to the sort of middle part here you have to keep that, those things in mind but also respect the, the new environment you are in and that imposter syndrome will be in its head from time to time it still does with me um, and I've been out nearly uh, six years now um, and then you can start to think you know now I'm onto something now I'm making some progress and then you can start helping other people and like I said, you can still feel like an imposter, but it's getting better. Uh, and eventually, if you keep those people in the loop, if you use you know platforms like this, if you actually do something about things, right? So this group's a bit different, but the last time I came, um, it was more or less people who've been in like four years, wasn't it? Like young, they was quite young. And I was basically saying, you know, instead of sliding into people's DMs on Instagram of an evening, start like scrolling through LinkedIn. You have to, your ambition outside the armed forces, your, your sort of actions need to match that. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. No one is going to hand you something on a plate. Because like I said, like it or not, we think we're quite special. But the supply and demand, if there's 14,000 people-ish, people who leave the armed forces each year, you, you're just a pot of people who are leaving university, who are you know, transitioning jobs because they, they want to move somewhere else. And especially at the moment, with all the people that have been made redundant, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I, I'm a, a big fan of practical optimism. You can be practical, you can be optimistic, but the fact is you have to be able to stand out. And John will speak about LinkedIn um, a bit later on so i don't want to steal too much of his thunder but posting content posting just posting you were here today 
the job market doesn't really care whether you like posting on LinkedIn or not, okay? The fact is the market dictates the people need to know who you are and what you can offer. So posting content, posting your resettlement journey, and as individuals who are, you know, a, a shining example of that, they're, they're sort of identifying the companies they want to work for, they're telling people they're going for interviews, they're telling people that the courses they've done, this is what they've learned, this is where I am on, on, on the curve and, and things like that. That, like it or not, gets eyes on what you're about. It's, so people go on about, you know, my personal brand. Your personal brand is just, just your reputation, really. And if you're going into something like, so people message me quite often and say, I want to go into project management. I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I'll, I'll roll with it. So I want to get into project management. Brilliant. What do you mean by that? Do you mean IT? Do you mean construction? Do you mean, um, you know, cyber security? Do you mean bridges? What do you mean by project management? You need to give me an example of a project you've managed. If you haven't managed budgets, you haven't been a project manager, okay? So you have to really hone in on what you mean by the people you're talking to, with the people you're talking to. Another thing is, don't judge people by the way they look. You know, Ian and I, we're just two scallies from the Northwest. However, we run two businesses. You probably wouldn't, you know, think that by looking at us, but again, Potentially, we, you know, we both employ people, so try not to, to judge people just because they don't look a certain way when you're trying to, to network. Um, so yeah, marketing yourself is key, and just keep in perspective of that, that corporate life. Like I said, the language you use, the way you conduct yourself, the reality is, at times, you're going to be working with people who get pissed off because they get red top milk instead of blue top milk in the, you know, in the coffee shop. People get wound up by that sort of thing. You know, you just have to keep that, that sense of humour and all that experience you've got behind you in mind. And people in our forces do thrive in the corporate world because they identify waste pretty quickly. They get stuff done. You know, they, they're not scared of talking to people like humans, so they'll talk to you know, the, the graduate the same way and the same respect as they'll talk to, you know, the managing director. And that fosters a positive working environment. And, you know, like I said, people in the armed forces do, do really well in the corporate world if they, you know, they manage themselves, they focus on, on what's, in, what's in their control and what's not in their control. And in the end, you will get to the, you know, the top of that where you made the right choice. And John spoke about the emotions of it before. You, you know, this will be different for everyone. I've, I've tried to make it as generic as possible. But there will be times where you, know, you will be thinking, I have made the wrong choice. I miss you know, going abroad. I miss going out with, with my mates. But it's about using your internal network as well. You know, if you're all going through the similar thing, you know, create a WhatsApp group so you can all share these things. And it's not, you know, the fluffy stuff or whatever else we want to label it. It's just checking in with each other. It's just seeing where other people are on on that journey. 
but eventually, you know, you will get to, I made the right choice. Some, you know, resources here. So for the past two years, I've been coming up with these, so the 2018 and 2019, we sat on the PDFs. And that, you know, they're not written by me, well they are, I put them together, but 80% of the knowledge in those PDFs is from people from LinkedIn. So it's me, I did two series of Sunday night, we sat on questions, so I don't know, what was the example, what was one of the examples? Week one was, what, what would you tell yourself if you were to start resettlement again? And all the comments were from people who had already done it, so it's not just my, I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure it was other people's experience, not just me giving experience that I couldn't, um, couldn't back up. So they're, they're both on there to have a scroll through again, like I said, it's experience from everyone else. Uh, there's, a, there's a coffee break scrum guide on there, but we'll, we'll talk about scrum later on. If you, if you like podcasts, which I would recommend, if you know a niche that you want to go into, then find a podcast in that niche. That will help you in interviews, it will help you uh, digest knowledge, whether it's in the car, whether it's on the run. So the Everyday Podcast is interviews with people who have gone through resettlement or who are going through resettlement. So like I said, John, Ian, they've both been on it. And it's basically my opportunity to be nosy and say, where are you in resettlement? What lessons did you learn? What would you, what would you do better? Um, what advice would you have for, for other people? And I think I think there's about fifty episodes on there now. So yeah, fifty-ish of some some with me, but most of all, it's me talking to other people who are going through similar things to what you are now. Um, yeah, so from the RAF, the Marines, the Navy, the Army, from all sort of. Uh, forces should be someone on there who, who you can relate to. So feel free to download or, or listen to any of them. Are there any questions, thoughts, opinions? Jack, we just cut back to the summon code. Yep. Guys, the thing about this is, for me, the quicker you get on that bridge, the quicker you're gonna succeed. Because the longer you sit down in that dark swamp to stay, which many people do, the harder it becomes. So if we force a transition group, CTP, whoever it is that you use or whatever you get to, 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 to get you on that bridge, then that's what you've got to be looking to do. Because you will go through them first one or two points. doesn't matter who you are. You will have your champagne moment when you say, no, get in, champagne that weekend. Following week, you'll go, oh no, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. The quicker you can use as many people as you can and start talking about your experience, start talking about what you're going through, the quicker you'll get on that bridge. And the quicker you get on that bridge, the quicker you start going up that other line. And if I look at myself right now and there, I'm probably, I still feel like an imposter when you get into that. So three years later, I'm still there. So my last run ashore was in Cape Town. So you can imagine, I went from bloody, I made the right choice because I was out, I had nine days in Cape Town before I flew home. I can't remember most of it. And then I went straight into there because I was sitting in my flat going, like 48 hours ago, I was 
you know, skydiving in Cape Town, and now I've, I don't really know what, I'm going into the corporate world with not really, yeah, it's a hell of a grounding. The forces people don't want to talk, just don't want to talk, it's embarrassing. It's just something that's built in to match your, if you like, no matter who you are, whether you're, you're uh, you know, a female, a male, private, a double, just a macho environment. So people can talk about mental health all they want. You've got to personally get it out. Because it's all there, Everyone's, everyone realises that you've got to talk about it, nobody does. And there's nothing wrong with speaking about it. The more you talk about it, the more you're coming out of it, the more you're going to get up that line quicker. And you, you'll, you'll soon notice if you start to use all these networks how quickly people help you. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable, it really is. And there's thousands and thousands of people who have a flick of the hat will come and have a coffee with you, or try and get you a job, or have a telephone conversation with you. You've got to, got to get to them people. Though. Don't sit there and think no one's helping you, because then you become the victim. Yeah, and just, just even add to that, I obviously went through it two years ago. <clears throat> and I very, very quickly fell into that despair level here until the lead joined me, what, 20 years ago, at the signals. Um, and I'd literally been in that despair, fell out of my life, not, not to a point where we were breaking up, you know, but it was constant arguing, constant, she didn't understand what I was going through, she was just a civvy, you know, obviously she's a recruitment manager, probably the best person I could probably ask for advice, to be very honest with you. But I just didn't go to, you know, my, my kids were at university, you know, she came home and I just, she just came home and drank and party and I think it just a few weeks later. What have I done? You know, what have I done to deserve what I am that that despair? And then I seen John all night down and we went to a brew in um what did, remember? And um, it was literally as if I, he just threw that little light right into the left hand side of that cup and pulled me back up onto that bridge. He went through my C V, went through some other stuff, you know, it was just he was just they had to talk to um, and, and understand what me because he'd already gone through it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he pulled me back out and I'm gonna shot right over onto that other side. But I was still pretty lost. But he kinda gave me the direction of where I wanted to go. Yeah. Just kinda pointed me in different little bits and I just and then I ended up with the what I thought would have been a perfect job. Yeah. But COVID came along and it wasn't a perfect job and you know what I ended up signing back on. Um, but again, you know, I'm back at that two years again, and, and I will be absolutely determined not to fall into that despair again. Because you don't absolutely need, you don't need to. There's tons and tons and tons of companies, people, LinkedIn, that will help you. you know, I, I went to a post on there maybe six months ago, just saying, oh, sign back on. You know, and, and, and it didn't hit as many as three million. But, you know, the amount of people that came back and said, you know, you've made the best choice. You know, if you ever need anything, just let us know, you know, we're always here to support and you get through that again. And it was just nice to, to have that. Um, and I'll never fall in that. I'll be determined never to go back into yeah. that. So, so just to your point about your, your why, if there's, if there's one episode on here that I would recommend um, listening to. So I interviewed my wife, and we'd never really spoken about it before, and I, it took me ages to get her on. And I, you don't often hear the other side of it, so the partner, the spouse, the girlfriend, the boyfriend. She told me some, like, brutal, not brutal, but honest truths I'd never really heard before because resettlement could be quite selfish and you have to be selfish because, you know, you want to prepare yourself in the best way possible. But 
it's a it's a balancing act of keeping other people um, in the loop as well, and um, just keeping in mind that it's a it's you know it, it's upheaval for those people because um, you may have to move if you're in military accommodation. You know, it's from what I understand, you know, it, it's quite it's cheaper than uh, civilian accommodation. So it's not just you going through it. So yeah, just the. I don't know. I, that, that curve as well, Robert, if you think of it in a different way, so I call it the ball wool, this first part, because when you're going through the resettlement phase or going through this this, this year, you've probably got anywhere between five and, I don't know, 50 things around the head, location, mental health, CV, LinkedIn, all the things that we're talking about. Of course, if you're not solving any of them problems, they like a ball of wool, they're tangled in your head. So the quicker you can understand what each one of their problems is, location, family, all that kind of thing, and then put a title to each one. And suppose pull a bit of wool out, attach it there, pull the next bit, and write a title from each one, and then work out which ones you're happy with. So get yeah, happy with your CV. Right? After a little bit of that time and you've got happy with it. Right, I've got my LinkedIn profile done. Right, that's another bit. All of a sudden that clutter of ball of wool. It's a smaller foot of all It's much easier to start picking out the priorities from it then. But if you land in here and you don't solve any of them, continues. Just keep whirling around and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and then your last day comes. And then that's when you see the post on LinkedIn or wherever you see them saying, Can someone just give me a job? And that's pure desperation. But that's because it's just the, the, the kind of net around you has just got so tight, can't untangle it anymore. So we need to be better than that. So by cutting them pieces up, and if that means you make a list of prioritizations, then do that. But that will start giving you the ownership and direction as well. You'll start to see somewhere in the future, you'll start to see that link. If you don't, that's where you're going. And some people in here will go in there. And of course, once you go through it, and have a really successful time, whether you go in there or what, get back there, you come back in to the force of transition group and become mental. Because that's crucial, because you've just been through it. That's really great for the people who are going through it as well, because you couldn't. And all of a sudden, you become the one year, three year, five year. But of course, you're still on the stage talking about it. So it really helps mentally as well for you. And that would be important. And, you know, any of you to come back and do that. And it's great because you come back and you know the establishment that you're used to. So it brings back all them great times out of it. But anyway, Jack, sorry for, for jumping in. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, unless there's any questions, anything like that. Yeah, I, luckily I haven't got any of those to deal with. But um, she, I don't know, she had blind faith in me, which I'll always be grateful for. Right, we'll go at work, because FDM, you, you have to be uh, geographically flexible. So my placement was in Bristol. And I'm from North, we're from North Wales. So it was like, right, we're moving to Bristol. So she didn't really have much of a choice. But, you know, it's what we had to do. Yeah. That's, where the, that's where the opportunities were. Um, 
oh, just on you'll go on to LinkedIn. But in the the twenty nineteen, there's actually uh, hooks on there, so titles for posts like templates. Um, so if you want to act like I don't know five things I learned about leadership from my time in the army or five things I learned from this project that like stuff like that just to trigger those um those uh that content creation um because yeah like I said whether we like it or not it's about getting eyes on to what your skills and abilities are but yeah are there any questions like that? 